0: I am Ellie Melly, also known as Alexandra Marshall, and today I'll be answering your questions that you left for me on Twitter. As always, if you like what I write and wanted to support my work, please consider shouting me a coffee over on Kofi. The link is in my Twitter bio or down in the YouTube description if you're watching this over there. The first question is from Summatch. What do you think? Will China invade Taiwan and take over 60% of chip manufacturing in the world? Already in low supply, what should Australia do? Uh, Now, whether China takes over Taiwan or not is actually an interesting question. I was reading a foreign report about Taiwan's preparation for war with China because, of course, China's been threatening to take Taiwan over for so long that it's no surprise to them that they might be under threat. And they have built... Uh, considerable fortica- fortifications within inside Taiwan for an impending Chinese attack. And taking the island of Taiwan would not be as easy as say invading a continent like Australia. And so I suspect that the reason China keeps making so much noise about uh, Taiwan is that they're hoping that the rest of the world won't come to Taiwan's aid should they decide to move on it. Whether or not China can do it, your question's about if they manage to, what would happen to the chip uh, manufacturing for computers across the rest of the world. And America has already been asking this question because, of course, many of their military technologies, including chips, are made in China and uh, also in Taiwan. And this is a security risk for them, particularly in a military situation. And they have already begun production themselves and in other countries that are not associated with China to replace this Uh, dangerous situation that they have found themselves in. If the worst happened it would be no different to when wars have rolled over and taken away other important assets where the world will just make what they require when they need it. Uh, Carl Astrelhal asks, you have talked about it on your shows a potential war with China and Russia and Ukraine so have other commentators why is no one talking about the serious threat of nuclear weapons being used is it the elephant in the room and of course we have china russia india and, and pakistan all playing with nuclear weapons in the same region and pakistan in particular you know, threatens nuclear war every other day if they don't like the way someone is talking and so for the For the major countries, nuclear war is something that they are reluctant to enter into because of the Mutual Assured Destruction uh, philosophy that we have going on, which is also titled MAD, meaning that if China tries to nuke America, America will obliterate most of China and vice versa. And so the big countries are reluctant to use nuclear powers on each other. But places like Pakistan, who are not led by particularly sane and rational people i mean this is a country whose leaders believe that they can enter heaven by murdering infidels and so you have to worry about what nuclear weapons mean when they're in the hands of unstable dictatorships which if there's going to be a nuclear incident it's probably going to come out of somewhere like pakistan or north korea where things are going to get out of hand and uh, someone's going to make a mistake so sir portland grove asks in your honest opinion, how would you estimate the grassroots politics of Australia left, right, centrist, and to what degree? It can be quite confusing looking at it from the outside. The outside the country, as media coverage in the UK is ignorant at best. So, I guess what you're asking is how much of the, the politics is grassroots rather than institutionalised, and the Labor Party is basically, a, and that includes uh, Greens and Labor and any other fringe left parties. They are a, mach- a machine. They are in the schools. They are in the universities. They are producing the next generation of uh, their political minds every day on mass. And so, there's no real need for a grassroots movement in on the left of politics because they are they are the mainstream, predominant political force in the education system. As for the conservative right, they have been. Completely silenced in universities. I mean, there was even this stuff where universities at O Day, which is our orientation day, weren't allowed to have uh, people from the uh, the, the youth organisation of the IPA there because that was considered to be not okay as far as the left wing universities were concerned. And so we are seeing it start, and it's only just starting. Grassroots commentary, grassroots publications on the right and centrist and libertarian side of politics in Australia but of course the the mainstream politics is still governed by the liberals and the national party and they they're moving left and they're and they're taking they're trying to appease the left by uh, appealing to the sentiment of the press and that is leaving behind a large portion of their voting base and it's that portion who are being left behind who are starting the new grassroots political movement but it's going to take time We're not like the UK where you've got extremely strong commentators popping up in grassroots movements like Nigel Farage, like Lawrence Fox. Uh, We're a little way off having that yet, but they're starting and I, I presume we'll see them in the next couple of years as things deteriorate in the political scene. Good question. Duncan says, just wondering if we should change the parliamentary voting system From a preference-based one to one where whomever gets the most votes outright gets the job. No more greens, just other vegetables. Okay, so our system is meant to be first past the post. And preferencing was brought in because when you have the major parties colluding in their preferencing, uh, it makes it extremely difficult for uh, a minority group or a third party group to hold power, because if you've got Labour and Liberal preferencing each other, the person who is a third party has to win by a massive majority in order to get past the tyranny of preferencing. Now, preferencing was meant to be this idea of, oh, well, you know, it's better to have people voting with their fourth and fifth preferences than having just the one go, but that defies logic. You don't run a race on preferencing. You run the race about who gets to that line first, and they do have the most votes. And so without preferencing, you tend to get a more pure style of politics where genuine alternate parties have a shot at disrupting the two major parties. And that is absolutely vital to preserving the political narrative of Australia where you have... If either the two major parties start falling off or if they start colluding together, which is what we're seeing now, you need to have the ability for uh, the population to vote for someone to... Um, send the party a message and say hey you know if you're going to keep colluding we're going to elect third parties to hold you to account and as soon as we got as soon as we got rid of first past the post and started preferencing we saw that the diversity of Australian politics substantially decreased and it was the beginning of majority party um, control of politics in Australia so yes we We should go back to first past the post. It is a better system. It's how the rest of the system is designed to work With it. So yeah, good question Ziggy asks, why did Donald Trump not play the sedition card? The truth is that Donald for Donald Trump to have a hope of winning he had to move before the vote was cast so he had to deal with um, The Democrats attempt to subvert the voting system via their mail-in voting once the votes were in like that it the institution and everyone involved it was too much to um, get past at that stage so and it's going to be tragic if, if the changes that the democrats made to secure power this time are left there Dem- the voting in america is broken it, they have to return to free and fair elections or they will be stuck with political puppets like biden acting on behalf of the fringe activist left forever And so I think Trump recognised that there was no way, apart from tearing the country apart in a civil war, which is exactly what the, uh, the left were doing with their empowering Black Lives Matter, they were basically sparking a race war in order to gain political power. I mean, it was disgusting what the Democrats actually did. But I think Trump cares about America more than the Democrats, and he knew that it was better to come at them from a different angle than to cause more harm and violence in the streets of America in this round. So I think that's probably why he did it. A present-elect cattle dog says, how awesome is chicken salt? Super awesome or very awesome. Super awesome. I swear they put crack or something in chicken salt because there is no limit to the amount of that stuff that you can eat. I mean, don't even get me started. I mean I've driven hours to get chips that have chicken salt in them because oh my god. Interesting question. <laughs> Never999 asks. One of the biggest right-wing reactionary platforms of recent years has been growing has been the growing call for A full immigration moratorium and demographic controls like Singapore to preserve the character of the people and culture. What is the libertarian view on this? Well first of all the libertarian view is not about controlling what a country does to people who are not yet members. It's about the rights and freedoms enshrined uh, for the citizens of that country and also the limitations of government to make sure that government is a small government and doesn't interfere too much in the private lives of its citizens. Now that doesn't mean that libertarians don't want their government to be creating laws that protect and preserve the security um, and heritage of the nation that they are in charge of. That's uh, that would be anarchy. Like anarchy means that you know that's no laws. Um, but with libertarianism, it's it's different. It's not you know free for all. It's a system of laws that are smaller, but still designed to maintain the the order of the community. Now, as far as mass migration, history tells us that if you pour too many people from a different culture into an existing culture, you end up with civil conflict and only one culture will win. You won't get cultures living side by side harmoniously. You will get a clash of cultures and one will become the dominant force, particularly in democracies, where the people are the ones who change the law. If you bring in, you know, more than half your population overnight from an Islamic country into a Christian or a secular country, they can then vote to change the laws to match where they came from. Now, that is something that is always a consideration in migration. The problem is that mass migration is being used by the UN, who are a socialist nutjob uh, group, who they love the idea of the old socialist idea of a unified socialist dictatorship, because that means they can get to basically rule the whole world. That's all it's about. So they encourage mass migration as a humanitarian issue instead of getting countries to fix their own bloody problems. As far as Australian politicians go, they've been using it as an economic trick to balance their budgets by bringing in as many people as possible to then say, oh, hey, look, you know, our, our budget looks great. When, of course, the quality of life for the individual Australian has been decreasing, not going up. So in answer to your question, yes, they should be more careful about how many people they bring in and where they bring them in from and allow the people who come into Australia time to settle into the Australian culture so that we don't lose what it means to be an Australian and the wonderful laid back um, atmosphere that we have and the peaceful coexistence that we've managed to forge down here and if we if we bring in every everyone's problems from all over the world we're going to end up just like the nightmare situation that we're seeing all across Europe and you know we don't have to do that there's no we are a sovereign nation we don't have to copy the failures of Europe we can decide our own destiny and we should because we owe it to everyone who fought and died for this country to maintain the beautiful, free, and fair nation that they helped to build. Um, Grad Hart asks, will Australia ever make another Conservative MP with any conviction? I know it doesn't feel like it now, but politics is cyclic and whenever you get weak politicians for years and years and years, eventually someone strong pops up, someone charismatic and someone who knows what they're doing. because. I mean, look, when John Howe was in power, no one thought Labor was ever going to get power again because the, his prime ministership was so well done and so well thought of generally in the community that Labor was pushed to the sidelines. The Liberals are going to get sick of being paper cutouts and following the left because eventually what's going to happen is the Liberals are going to be pushed out of an election. They're going to lose power. And once the Liberal Party no longer hold power... The people who were just sitting around enjoying the ride, who don't really hold conservative values, they will all leave the party. And then the only people inside the Conservative Party will be those who actually hold conservative principles at heart and believe in their role as politicians to represent Australian citizens honestly. And once that happens, you will find that you get talent rather than just placement from you know whoever's friend is is around that week you'll actually get people who deserve their position in politics and when they rise up from the ranks you will see conservative politicians with a backbone with an opinion and those who actually want to do their job and protect Australia but it may take a complete wipeout of the conservative party before that happens and it's a shame because they could fix it now if they wanted to but they are governed by factions and so many in the Liberal Party right now are actually more suited to the Labour Party. So, yes, I believe it will happen again. No, probably not for five or so years. Oh, but I will make an amendment. If we end up in a conflict with a communist nation, like what happened in the last world wars, that is when you see the people turn on the left. Oz Crypto back again says, talking about chocolate, and that's because... I threatened the viewers of this program that I was having a lot of chocolate at the time of recording and that I might be nasty to the trolls who attempt to leave me nasty questions. Um, I haven't actually had any chocolate today, which is a real crying shame. Uh, Rocket Valentino says, question, why do you think voting is relevant when it's clearly a delusion of choice like chasing Coke or Pepsi, choosing Coke or Pepsi? You know, I understand the sentiment that you feel like voting doesn't do anything, but it's not true. Voting does have real power. And our uh, most of the sentiment comes from the fact that the Liberal Party and Labour Party are following each other down the same path. And our system has checks and balances to deal with this situation, and it is the rise of minor parties, and we will see it happen in time. As for the power of voting, you look no further than the Brexit vote in the UK. That was a situation where everybody, all the elites, all the politicians, everyone who had money and influence in that in that country wanted to remain part of the EU bureaucracy because they were all getting a fortune from it. But the people, the ones who were being exploited by the EU, the ones who didn't want their politics being run out of Germany of all places, they voted to leave. And the country was required to uphold the people's will and they managed to leave and so we are going to enter a time very shortly where we start to test the limits of our political system and we will find out that yes indeed voting does work and if you want to make your vote count if you want to give the the major parties a fright make sure you vote for a minor party in the upper house Give them seats so that the major parties are forced to listen to your opinion in order to pass their politics. And they won't be able to pass policy that's um, damaging to the Australian community if there are enough minor parties holding seats to block it. So use your vote. Your vote does matter. Um, Just make sure that you don't lose faith in the system of democracy itself because if you give up on democracy, you will end up with socialism and then you really will know what it's like to have no choice. In what happens to your nation. Uh, Jonathan Mumford asks, if I have to behave myself is there any point? I don't think it was really a comment for you, it was more the people who threatened to murder me every other day but um, good point. The old and unimproved Dave says, what can the city learn from the country and what can the country learn from the city? You know it's weird because I live both worlds, Um, I have a farm and I was a Sydney girl and I'm now a Sydney girl again and I have to say that the city people need to learn that just because you have a day with a lot of rain or a bad storm, that doesn't mean that the world is ending. You get too used to living inside these climate-controlled buildings where you have every convenience. You've always got water. You've always got power. I mean, the worst that happens is sometimes your train is delayed by a fallen tree because it got a bit windy. You, when you're inside this forest of giant buildings, you lose perspective of how little nature cares about your survival and how close humanity really does live to the fringes of disaster. And that's normal. It's part of the world that we live in. And so because this, our politics is being driven by people in the city who don't really understand the reality of the natural world, they are writing policies that not only are wrong and based on false assumptions that then hurt people's businesses and livelihoods, they are passing policies to inflict upon people who live in the country, who then cannot produce the food that, they, that the city requires to live. And so politicians really need to listen to what the country people are saying who live on the land and stop in stop using the country and the outside world as a political tool to win elections when it's really quite a serious um, thing that they have to actually get right. As far as country people learning from the city, it's funny, most country people have a good idea about how the city works because they don't just live in the middle of nowhere. They go to the city, they they work and shop and they have friends in the city and so they are more acclimatised to both worlds um, than the city people are. So it's, sort of not, it's not exactly a <laughs> widespread, but I guess they could learn more about the... Um, the need for uh, like maybe maybe the country people could learn about how important things like social media are to the city into the national identity country people are very much dealing with real world scenarios all the time and they often see the social commentary as kind of irrelevant when really it is driving the mentality of the next generation of people who will be writing the laws and running the country and so maybe country people could Um, pay a bit more attention to the national conversation and get involved more um, so they don't end up being run by a bunch of kids who don't know anything about the outside world Okay, Robert Herbert asks Hi, I'd like your comments regarding this please What do you think is motivating Australia's desire for its sovereignty over near future missile development? And the article is about Australia to provide its own guided missiles as part of a billion dollar defence deal to establish a new weapons factory with a global arms manufacturer I will have to pause and go and read that because I am not sure. Okay, so I've read the article and basically they're terrified that China is going to go to war with us and we are currently getting our weapons made in a manner that we can't ensure that they will be delivered to us. And so yeah, everyone's looking for a safe place to make weapons strategically and Australia is pretty good and they're partnering with the Americans to ensure what Scott Morrison calls sovereignty over our weapon production. Basically, the shit is getting real and we have to get serious about our military assets to defend ourselves. But of course, it's too late. By the time any of this stuff is actually done, you know, it, it's just this should have been happening 10 years ago. And Christopher Pine's mistake with our defence budget and those stupid submarines might be the action, the single most dangerous action in Australia's recent history. And honestly, he does not get enough flack for what he did uh owen the raptor says how are you doing post the flood did you receive adequate assistance from the government or are you left to wrestle with insurance companies uh the government handed out a small amount of assistance which i mean it barely covers you know anything to be honest um insurance companies no one wants to pay out even though it's been declared a natural disaster insurance companies go to every length possible to refuse to pay And so basically I lost, you you guys already know, I lost all my books and um, I can't really afford to replace all of them. I got the quote um, through a couple of days ago for the rest of them and it's $2,000. So, you know, I mean, I had to buy a desk. I still don't have a chair. I'm using an upturned Canon printer box with some cushions on it as a chair. I finally got a couch, which I can't really afford, but, you know, I can't keep sitting on the floor for weeks on end so it's it's really hard I mean you do the right thing and you have insurance and protection and then it counts for basically nothing and there's nothing that annoys me more than commentators say oh well you know why do you live in these places and everything else well first of all um, the entirety of the city the near city I lived in was basically underwater so it's not like it was just me being affected it was a, a large event and second of all if you want food if you want to have homegrown Australian produce, then people have to live in these areas because that's where the food grows. And so I'm so sick of city people complaining about rural areas. We have to put up with droughts, with floods, with fires, with with councils who refuse to build infrastructure because it interferes with their green politics. I mean, we can't even get a tarred road a hundred and something years after the original road was built because they want to do a frog study. A two-year frog study in which we pay the taxpayer salaries of people to tell us about the frogs after they've just been through a massive flood and a fire so I mean it's all country people are angry because we pay our taxes we pay enormous council rates far more than city people do and yet we don't have the basic services I mean, we don't have sewage we don't have water we're not even allowed to build dams anymore. We don't have roads. We don't have public transport. We don't have a reliable power connection. We don't have reliable internet. Sometimes we've got no reception at all. And yet we are expected to carry the burden of producing Australia's food for them. And it's time that city politicians got serious about assigning money to basic infrastructure for rural areas and then maybe we wouldn't complain so much. And you know, if we had water in proper dams, we wouldn't be there trying to buy water in you know spending all of our savings trying to keep some cattle alive it's the infrastructure failure of successive state governments liberal labor national everybody is at fault in this situation and no one has the courage to stamp the green movement and say we need to build basic services for the country you know enough is enough so how am i doing after the flood i'm a little jaded I'm a little jaded and much, much poorer. President Guns in Australia asks, Hey Alexandra, would you mind giving me a shout out by publishing my tweet? Ah, please tell your audience I'm super awesome and love what I wrote in my profile. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, go go to their blog. Um, I will reblog this later. I didn't see it till now. And um, yeah, give everyone in OzPol a follow who is conservative because it's only by following each other and by supporting each other, that we will actually start to counteract the left narrative. Luke Shaw says, is it possible for grassroots conservative Party, a grassroots Conservative Party to take power in this country if they attack the liberals and go after the base? Something the Australian Conservatives refuse to do. And given um, there wouldn't be a budget for mass media advertising. This is the problem with Conserv... I've already spoken about it before. It's hard enough to get the votes in because of the way the system is now pretty much rigged against conservative uh, minority parties, the budget that the mainstream parties have increases not only with their external funding but with the seats that they win. So if you want to help get conservative parties into power, then you need to vote for them to have seats. And if they have seats, then they have a budget. And once they have a budget, they can start putting together better campaigns. At the moment, we're asking minor parties to Pretty much put together at the same scale of campaign as the majors, but <laughs> one party is doing it with pretty much just a shoebox and that's it. So the minor parties have the best ideas. They are built by people who have lived in the real world, who are not institutionalized politicians. So if you want politicians of better quality, then vote for them, put them in power just one step at a time. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Every seat they hold allows them to run a better campaign for the next time around and to actually start to change policy for you. So that would be my my comment there. Uh, Aunt McKennan, someone who I'm completely sick of, says, you didn't answer my recent question, will you be paying for your vaccine as well as getting it free would be socialism. So this is a socialist who takes issue with my uh, refusal to get not vaccines in general. Just to be clear, I am vaccinated for pretty much everything, except I don't take flu shots because they're pointless. Um, But I always, you know, I wait for the trials to continue. When I got my cervical cancer vaccine, you know, they announced it when I was in junior school, but we weren't allowed to have it till senior school. Why? Because it had to pass long-term human trials. The the reason most people are refusing to get the COVID vaccine is because it has not passed these long-term trials. And so... I would have thought my answer was obvious that I'm not going to pay for it because I'm not intending on getting it, at least not for a really long time. Also, stop being a little shit online. You know, it doesn't, no one, you don't impress anybody. Simple man says, favorite movie? Well, that's easy. The fifth element. No question. Right wing teacher says, in 40 years, what do you think people will be nostalgic for? Laughter. I think it will be the ability to laugh at things that are actually funny. People are being told to be afraid of of humour and their own opinion and I, I think people will miss that most of all. Paul Jackson says, what is the physics of walking along with sandals and only one pebble that may or may not have existed pre-step or might have been one of the thousands getting between the sole of foot and the, and the said sandal. There are some things that the universe does to you that just to be a shit and uh, pebbles in shoes is one of them. Uh, Marcus Foo says, speaking about chocolate. Uh, Now that you've mentioned it, if Willy Wonka offered you his chocolate factory empire to govern upon his retirement, would you take it? No, because I'd be dead in about 24 hours because I would eat all the chocolate. So that would be not a good move for me. (laughs) Thank you, Marcus. Uh, Catch Marcus on Curtain Call coming out this week as well. We uh, interviewed him and uh, as a poor WA person, so we had a great time. Uh, Tomahawk79Game says what is your favourite band or artist and favourite song do you think enough has been done to get live music back up to full speed Um, not just for the big names but for pub grind bands and artists to make a living etc yeah well I mean it was my opinion that none of these things should have been stopped in the first place and uh, uh, the government seems to prioritise itself rather than the needs of the people who are trying to make a living I mean did you see any politicians skip a paycheck during COVID no course not favorite band I mean my favorite song is the Grinspoon song Chemical Heart but favorite band you know that that's a really hard one because I'm eclectic with my types of music I don't really have a a firm favorite but it's probably right now something like Imagine Dragons Uh, general who would you choose to be stuck in an elevator with Dan Andrews or Mark McGowan Christ I mean, Mark McGowan is famous for uh, wanting to put ankle bracelets on COVID patients. So, you know, that might be like a prison drama if I was trapped in an elevator with him. Uh, And Daniel Andrews would just go into one of his long, whining sermons and, you know, that'd be torture. So can't I trap both of them in the elevator together? I think that would be the best solution to that question. Uh, Marvel Moni, how do you stay so thick-skinned with some of the foul comments directed at you? Do you cop the same vile when you walk down the street? Well, I'm not really particularly famous, so I don't get comments in the street. Um, and I'm pretty scary in in person, so I doubt that they'd be brave enough to uh, say it to my face. But online, look, you have to remember when you're doing a job like this that for all the crap that people will say to you online, if you don't fight the culture wars and stand up for the right thing, then the online abuse will become real-world abuse and it will be backed up by the government. And so the only chance that we have of freedom of thought and freedom of opinion is to withstand the abuse and fight for what is right for this country and for your own freedoms. And so, I mean, just if if it upsets you, just don't read the abuse. I mean, a lot of times when the left are sending out their troll parties toward me, I just stop reading through the comments for a while um, because the abuse can be vile. But it's, it's just noise. It's not constructive criticism. It is the mob coming with pitchforks. And they shouldn't let, you should not let them intimidate you out of doing what's right. Uh, ben asks, how can McGowan's tyranny be stopped? When Western Australian voters grow a spine and when the Western Australian Liberal Party stop trying to, to be the new Labour Party. So it's a joint effort guys in WA, you have to fix your party and you have to stop voting for tyrants. Rob asks, who is your favourite character from Wentworth? I have never, never watched it, so sorry Rob, I have no idea. Uh, DJ Reese asks, who, what is Australia? We just commemorated those who have defended this thing with uh, cannon and rifle, yet these same defences are impotent in the current culture wars. For a new militia to defend an idea, we first need to define it, which is why nationalism offends the enemy. Well, nationalism offends um, socialism because socialism wants to establish a generic world order because they want to run a world government. And, uh, I mean, it's so funny. The old socialist dream is basically world domination and people do not give them enough crap for that kind of uh, idea, which is driving so much of their destructive cultural and social commentary as far as what is australia i think the wider community of australia knows what our country represents we are a free and democratic and laid-back and fun-loving little colony sitting at the bottom of the world trying to stay out of the upheaval of the rest of geopolitics Uh, and in order our problem isn't that australians don't know what australia is our problem is that politicians don't want to do the hard work to defend it. I mean spending money on real things does not win you votes and they are chasing votes. They are obsessed with popularity in the press instead of doing their job. And so this is more a politician problem than a general population problem. I mean goodness, how long have people been telling the government that China is a problem? Decades, absolutely decades. So, the people know what's going on. It's politicians who are morons. Taz Monty asks, do you think it should be a mandate that politicians have to be in a real-world job for 10 years before applying for parliament? No, not a mandate. I think anybody should be free to pursue a career and maybe you're only good at politics. I mean, that can happen where you can be a brilliant politician and that is all you are good at. But what we should be careful about is that we don't have a parliament of only career politicians. Now, that is up to the party to be smart enough to choose people with real world experience. I'm not a favor of any types of quotas or anything like that. The parties themselves will lose power if they don't elect good candidates. And we are seeing that happen right now. So for its own good, the party should at least try and have, for instance, if you're gonna talk about um, small business and economics, you should at least have somebody who has run a small business or at least worked for a small business. Um, in charge of discussing policy but of course it's going to take a while for politicians to get themselves out of this little gravy train but they will be forced to get out of it. Uh, guy asks interesting i guess you go wild when you have too much chocolate <laughs> that's so true. Anna O'Rourke asks well uh, what did you read see hear or do that made you smile today? Oh, today's been a long day of filming and I haven't really read anything apart from my own commentary when I was putting together the meeting before this one. Uh, But uh, last night I, um, I was watching some of the old reruns of The Office and remembering how great the world was back when that show was being filmed. So I think Michael Scott made me laugh yesterday. Uh, Darren, as a human secularist, what is your opinion on right replacement? Not going within a thousand miles of that question because it's a very specific ideological idea put forward by a pretty crazy fringe person. If you want to talk more in general about um, how mass migration can replace a population, we can look to China because China has its move west policy of the Han Chinese into places like Tibet. And Xinjiang uh, as a matter of course for the express purpose of nullifying the political concerns and cultural um, heritage of those two autonomous regions. So uh, it is being used in places of the world to destroy um, cultural heritage and identity of independent regions for the purposes of quite literally imperialistic conquest, and China is currently the worst offender in this realm of mass migration as a t- as a type of uh, as a type of conquest. Uh, James Watt, nothing worse than a chocolate panda. I really should redo this interview um, after three or four containers of chocolate and see how different I am when I've had it. I bet you it's a completely different experience. Um, Anthony Oz says, have a chocolate and rip into them. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to redo some of this and post the more outrageous uh, answers. Max, how did your flood recovery go? I uh, already said it uh, about the stuff-wise. But as far as the landscape goes, everything looked horrific. It was all brown and some things had died and it looked like a, an apocalypse. But a couple of weeks later, the lawns are now bright, bright green the uh, the olives which had really suffered during the drought have all got new growth all over them anything that wasn't underwater um has come back with a vengeance because of course what the climate apocalypse people won't tell you is that floods are basically dousing the entire terrain in nutrition and it's why they're such rich beautiful areas to live in this was a big one a big an unusually large flood but the mechanics of of floods are not destructive to the natural landscape just to the humans who are trying to live on them. It's not a climate apocalypse It's just a serious problem for humans who like to live in stable places, but unfortunately for us the world is not stable Uh, Sean Ford asks if you had the choice What if anything would you do about tax reform at federal state and council rates and levels? I am always in favor of lowering tax because If you tax people too much, they don't have enough free capital in order to reinvest in economic systems to grow the economy. So, politicians love to take tax as a way of solving their money problems, but the more tax you take from the people, the less the tax pool becomes because people and businesses become less productive and so the economy eventually shrinks. And we are in a situation right now where they've been raising taxes on us for so long that the economy is now on its knees and you know you've got problems when people try to dodge tax on mass it's because the government is taking too much of people uh, and more than they are entitled to and it's not just that the government takes too much tax they waste our money they use our money as blood money to buy peace in our neighboring nations while they go and take money from china they use our tax money to spend billions on renewables for their millionaire friends they use our money to fund all these activist campaigns which go against the general consensus of the population i mean they do nothing but inflate their own pockets and their own salaries and the public service to the point where the private the private companies and the private people are just being pretty much robbed and so we've got a lot of tax reduction to do before we can even start talking about changing taxes. I would start by getting rid of payroll tax. It's ridiculous that anybody uh, taxes you to employ people in an industry in an era where we desperately need people to be employed. I mean that is just absolute government greed and it has to stop. Uh, they also need to stop taxing farmers for all sorts of ridiculous things like the theoretical amount of goats they can run on their property. I mean we farming has to be cheap in order to be successful because it's already a difficult venture and yet governments have been taxing farmers as much as they can because farmers don't have a powerful voting base and so they get away with it so basically every layer of government has to lower taxes and councils in particular have to stop playing politics they are meant to collect the bins make sure the road like make sure that the roads are clean that the public transport's working in the area and that's about it. They shouldn't be playing politics. Jason says, why do you think so many in Oz are gravitating towards communism at the moment? Have we had it good here for far too long? Well that's quite simply because they have being indoctrinated and brainwashed as children. Uh, most of the kids who want socialism or communism can't even describe it. They are robbed of the historical narrative and so they don't even know first of all what they are asking for and secondly what has happened to those who got it in the past. And so The kids who say they want it are actually just repeating a lie. And we should never have let communist lecturers into our universities because all they've done is destroy the minds of the next generation. And it could very well destroy the entire country if we are not careful. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, A lot of the kids who want socialism, socialism think that socialism is a free iPhone when really it's a payphone at the corner of the street that's broken half the time and you get given 50 cents a month to make a call. That's what socialism is. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an opinion based upon a lie told to them pretty much from birth onwards. Uh, Jimmy Grogan asks, Do you think Australia would successfully retain its sovereignty or be enveloped into the globalist dystopia the WEF, the UN, etc. have planned for us? It depends again on the spine of our politicians. I mean, the Liberal Party are the only party who can pull us out of these institutions, but they won't. I mean, the left want world socialism. The left want to exist in this big state environment where they never have to win elections because they get to own the process. So it's only the conservatives that we can back. And unfortunately, they're stupid. They're they're governed by naivety. And those who are not naive are in it for the money as well. And it only Donald Trump really had the nerve to pull out of some of these economic and bureauc- bureaucratic world government ideas. And it's going to be a long time before we see anybody with enough strength and courage to do it, particularly in Australia, because we're followers. We are, we are a nation of political leaders who just wander around, Doing whatever the U.S. tells us to, and right now the U.S. is governed by a puppet dictator, who he make, he, he's basically working at the behest of Kamala Harris and the fringe crazy socialist left of the Democrat Party, and that's where Australia will follow. Um, that's how that's how dire our situation is politically. So I think it'll get worse. It'll get worse until it becomes an election issue for Australia's Australians. At which point. Oh, that's one thing. If you make enough noise about things like the World Economic Forum and the and the United Nations, politicians are fickle. They will listen to the commentary. If they think they will lose an election over something, they will change their mind. So it's up to you to be loud about things that you don't like because it's the only way that they will stop. Uh, the Phantom says, what are some of your favourite meals that you like to have for dinner? Oh, look, my po- I've only got one Polish relative and it really comes out of me. I mean, look, look at... complexion Uh, and so some of my favorite meals are very much the polish style food Um, but for an Australian thing that I love that my mother has told me not to tell anyone that I like uh, I like toast with Vegemite cheese and pickles just that's me I'm sorry KGB man asks why are Australian bears so cute and cuddly but American bears are dirty and stinky and they break into your car and steal your jerky Look, Australian koala bears, which are mars- which aren't actually bears, they're marsupials. They may be smaller than American bears, I grant you, but they have really sharp claws, bad tempers, they smell awful, and they uh, but they do sleep all day. So I guess we got of all the Australian animals, koala bears are probably the ones you have to worry about least. I was definitely terrified in Canada of your bears because what the actual hell? I mean, it's crazy to me that you can go to the park and be eaten. By a bear. That's not... You guys are, are nuts. Uh, Rach asks, kick their asses. You are a true Aussie trooper. Well, thank you. It's not really a question, but thank you. Uh, Owen Riser says, clockwise or counterclockwise? Yeah, i am going to go clockwise. I don't like going backwards in life in general, so we'll, we'll go clockwise. But Mario says, are you going to run for office? I've been asked um... By different parties actually I (laughs) it's hard I would like to uh, run for office maybe but I don't want to run for a party which will insist that I silence my opinion in order to run for them so if you see me running in the future if I manage to dig myself out of this well of poverty that I find myself in I will only run if I feel like I can make an actual difference and if I believe that I am free to have my own opinions and to critique and argue the point of any policy, even the party's own policy, in the old spirit of of English politics, where the best ideas came out of the contest of ideas. So I think the answer to that is maybe. Socrates asks, "Why didn't Jenny Liao and Marine? Oh, I can't can't say that." tweet anything about Anzac Day. Look, Marine Maureen is the is the Green candidate, uh, Green MP, and she is one of the most vile, nasty, least suitable people to sit in office I have ever seen. Not only does she hate Australia, hate Australians, and hate the institution that pays her wages, she is importing some of the worst pieces of ideology from the rest of the world that have no place in Australia. She, she is the most hateful person I have seen commentating on Australian politics. Seconded only by Lydia Thorpe who is almost as bad. Alan P says behave make me. Robert Herbert says so where are the film replies? They're happening now. Finn Finn says does dumpling mean tiny poo? I don't know and I am not googling that. Uh, the Night Watchman if a flamingo stands on both legs will it fall over? No but that would be hilarious if it was true. Uh, Brendan Donovan says favorite movie scene. Okay, so I know my favorite movies Fifth Element, Fifth Element, but my favorite movie scene is actually from Gladiator, when uh, you know Russell Crowe turns to you know Mark the the, the new Emperor and he's like, uh, I am Marcus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north. You know that whole speech that he gives in the stadium. That whole end run of Gladiator is just. A great piece of filmmaking. Uh, Aisling Salesby says, Australia has fallen behind the rest of the world and will be isolated for some time. What is your opinion on what could be done to change the COVID narrative in Australia to expere the return of citizens' basic human rights to cross their own domestic and international borders freely? While ever politicians are using COVID as their ticket to political success, they are not going to give us back our rights. And that's it. That's the end. It's the end of the conversation. Marianne Bourne says why is AstraZeneca considered safe for the over 50s who knows what is safe and not safe because no one's completing any of their trials and you're not allowed to talk about anything or report anything because that would be contradicting the narrative of the world health organization which you can't do Callum says behave heart so no marriage proposal You don't want me, man. I am a scary person. Mark Immerside says, Why is hyphenated non-hyphenated, but non-hyphenated is hyphenated? (laughs) Uh, Vince says, Why do you think despite all of its obvious environmental benefits, the Bradfield scheme can't get any traction? What is the ideological opposition to it? Now, I'm not going to answer this question now. Instead, I have invited the Bradfield team to come on Curtain Call in a couple of weeks in which we'll have a proper long discussion about the Bradfield scheme uh, with our special guests then. So tune in to Curtain Call and we will have that discussion live. Oh, and Gary Hargrave, tune in, follow the money in the water industry. That is also a part of it. Daniel says, hello, Alexandra, what can we do about the ABC? Stop funding it. just stop funding it. If the ABC had to produce shows that people actually wanted to watch without the government money, then we would see a much better ABC. Christian, can you walk me through what happens to a woman's brain once chocolate hits neurons? We become better people. Animals, there is no such thing as too much chocolate. True. Ted says, is having too much chocolate ever possible? Well, I think it does become toxic after a certain point. And I have a rule which is never eat anything larger than your head, and that applies to chocolate. Rob Ebony asks, What is your spiritual and philosophical bent? Are you a lapsed Catholic, a peaceful nihilist, or have you taken Christianity, Buddhism, and Taoism, popped into a blender and just turned to a high-end trunk spirituality smoothie straight from the jug, asking for a friend? I am a secular humanist. I did go to a Christian school growing up, but even despite the environment of mass indoctrination for years and years and years, I was always... Uh, a secular humanist even though it took me a while to work out what I was actually called my parents are both non-religious and I like the way that I see the universe and I, um, I have no desire to change it but I try to believe in the best of humanity even though I'm aware of its failings but more importantly it's when you see the universe as raw and brutal but also beautiful and you realise that things aren't being done to you, they just happen. It's, uh, I find it quite peaceful to see how terrifying the world really is. Utility Hog, do you really have Black Lives Matter in Australia? Yes we do and yes they try and trash our statues and yes they should have been arrested. Jen aside, not a question but I followed you under a prior Twitter incarnation. I'm glad to see you are still going strong. Thanks Jen and good luck to you on your new Twitter account. Kay says, China is going on with their wolf warrior diplomacy while slapping trade sanctions and salt remarks from the Global Times. Is it time to stand up to them and make them pay for the sanctions and the viruses made from Wuhan under the new buzzword, spank the dragon? I might actually steal spank the dragon and write an article about it, crediting you, of course, Kay, but that is a great way of putting forward. Look, I'm going to put it this way. If America had created a virus that impoverished the world, and destroyed liberty and cost billions of dollars and you know hundreds of thousands of lives, they would be sanctioned. They would be asked to pay reparations. They would be continuously brutalised in the world press and China would be having a field day with the information. But the fact is the world's afraid of China's military strength. They're afraid of the alliances that China has built with its regional neighbours. And this fear is stopping China from being held to account underneath all of the global regulations and procedures that are meant to take place. And so, yeah, I think we should start, we may not be able to get China to actually pay, but we should start at least taking back some of the um, things that we've allowed China to do on good faith. So for example, our ports, China should not be allowed to hold possession of any Australian port or airport while they're behaving the way that they are. Righteous Bot asks, how much money do you pay, a year do do you make after tax? nothing because i lost my businesses during you know wonderful little uh, victorian lockdowns with king dan he destroyed everyone's businesses so now the only money i make are the donations that you generously give to me for my writing and so if you want to support me and uh, keep me making more content and writing for you and revealing the truth that our politicians don't want to talk about then please consider dropping me a coffee, um, and uh, or I'll probably spend it on chocolate to be honest, but <laughs> but it was a pleasure to be with you all here today, and uh, that's it for this week's Q&A.